This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 132 of the Stacey West podcast. Uh, I'm Ben, back after a little break and Gaz is with me. How are you doing mate? Are you well? I'm very well, thank you mate, because I haven't been making friends and influencing people on the internet like some... What do you mean? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't go on Facebook, so I wouldn't know. But I just get the impression that that you've been making friends, um, long term friends on the internet. So I don't know. I'm, I'm fine, mate. I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> I'm genuinely confused by the statement, but uh, I've definitely not been making friends um, on the internet over uh, over the past while but anyway uh yeah i'm not too bad it was irony it was irony ben. oh okay right. it was because what I'm... you were actually doing is the opposite of making friends so that yeah was, that was kind of the gag <laughs> i mean i've you know I've, I've missed this i've missed it but uh no i'm not too bad mate not too bad at all um uh, you know the the obvious statement which i don't want to say but it is coming home um, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about England first, I think, aren't we? And then, uh, and then sort of move into some imps news. Even though we're not an England podcast, I think it would be uh, somewhat criminal to ignore the fact that England are playing in the final of a major tournament over the weekend. I can relate it to Lincoln. Um, Go on then. I can, I can relate to Lincoln. I was thinking about this earlier while I was walking the dog. That I, I can I can see now how a certain section of Lincoln support feel. Um, and I'm not talking when you when you call it. I don't like plastics. I don't like that sort of thing. But, you know, people who return at times of positivity and find their love for something that they would previously lost. I can understand because I used to really buy into the England team, you know, World Cup 90. I watched every England minute of that as I was allowed. I was only a kid. Yeah, and then going forward, I was gutted in 92 when we were shit, um, missed out in 94. And it got to 96 and I was still massively invested. For me, the summer of 96, I was probably following England more fervently than I was following Lincoln City. <clears throat> 
I've always been a Lincoln fan, don't get me wrong, but do you know what I mean? It was like, mm. you say 96 to me, I, I don't think um, like Sam Ellis or John Beck and that sort of thing, and I, I kind of the first and foremost, I think England. Yeah. Uh, and, and that really stung. And then I think 98 with the injustice of the um, Sol Campbell disallowed goal and uh, certainly Euro 2000, I lost that connection with England. Uh, and uh, through to 2016, I mean, I, yeah, I turned off the Iceland game and I just felt so disconnected. Uh, yeah, I, I've been at Lincoln, have been priority for me probably for, for two decades anyway. But this tournament, more than ever, I've kind of really got back into it and really bought back into it again. And I can understand now how it is possible to not drift away because I've always wanted England to win, but to feel um, ambiguous towards the level of success that they achieve, but then to kind of buy into it when things start going well. And I'm not saying I've jumped on the England bandwagon. I've always been a football fan, um, but I've not felt the connection. And I can understand the parallels probably with Danny Cowley's team in 2016-17, you know, years of kind of neglect and people coming in who you perhaps didn't, some fans didn't connect with. You know, I'm not being critical of the likes of Chris Moyes and David Holdsworth, I think did decent jobs under hard circumstances. Um, but I can understand how it takes a match to light a flame sometimes. The Lincoln City flame burns in me all the time. It hasn't burned in everybody all the time. Some people have let it go out and then resumed. So I can now see England have kind of taught me a little bit about being a certain type of football fan, um, which I found really interesting. Yeah, I mean, sort of almost like a, a bit of a lapsed fan in a way in, in that kind of... Uh, well, I suppose as, as lapsed as you can be, even though you, you're still paying attention to it, you know, it's kind of you've not got that that desire and that fever that's there for ages. And I think you saying that, you know, you can link it to that sort of Danny Cowley era of Lincoln City. I I think I've been quite, quite calm through the, the tournament, obviously not watching the games. I think some people probably saw my heart rate last night, but the... Um, the, the the process around the games it's kind of just it it's it it's a comparison i'm going to draw with michael appleton because a lot of the time you know for example going into the playoff final i felt really calm because i was like you know what we've got a great manager we've got a great team i'm just trusting in the process and trusting in the process seems to be at the minute what people need to do with england and i think that that's another comparison that you know kind of makes a little bit of sense to me there um and undoubtedly again something that i've missed you're probably going to turn around and say i'm wrong no not really i I think you know there isn't a right and a wrong in this instance um i i have kind of felt that a little bit i mean the difference being that you know in, in, in international terms Lincoln City are probably a Wales or something like that, whereas mm. you know England are in, in in football in terms of probably not a Man United or Liverpool. I think that's the likes of France and Brazil, but only just under that kind of level, maybe a West Ham or an Everton. So uh, yeah, I, I think it, you can kind of expect them to do well against certain teams. So I felt no fear at all in the for the Ukraine game. Um, or for, for really any of the group games either. I didn't think it was any of those games that we shouldn't have won. Uh, it was only Germany I got quite invested in. And, and then last night, actually, it was a little bit different. Um, and I don't think it was as much about trusting in the process because it was the first time where I'd looked at the opposition and gone, blimey, these are an op- these are, are, are right at the top of the game. Germany were not. This was a, a poor Germany side, mm-hmm. a transitional Germany side. Not to say that that gives us right to win because they've got the likes of Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, etc., who are really, really good footballers. So that was a great win. 
but it was a great win against a side that, you know, if you were a ger- on the in Germany, they were a side that they didn't trust in and they didn't believe in. So, mm-hmm. but you know, the thing is, England getting to a major final is always going to unite a nation. But I was on Radio uh, Lincolnshire earlier with Carla Green, <laughs> name drop. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, you know, it, it's probably not the biggest name drop in the world, but I like Carla Green, so for me, it's a name drop. Um, so not in that way, by the way, if Dennis Green's listening, um, just so to clarify, you know, I've got, just keep got digging, my, mate. Just keep yeah, digging. Yeah, I'm digging a hole. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like I said, I can't remember what I was saying now. And <laughs> um, it was like I said, it, I think it's after everything that the nation has been through as well. And I know worldwide, everybody's been through it, but you know, is just COVID and, and, um not going to football games and for Lincoln City fans you know the disappointment of going to Wembley and losing and that kind of it was almost like a the season was almost like blowing up a balloon and then somebody put a pin in it at the end rather than tying the bottom and letting it go do you know it's like oh god just at the last minute there so um yeah I just I like the feeling of euphoria you know I like sitting next to my mate Dave I was crying under a pool table with him in 1996 after we lost to Germany on penalties you know and I'm sat here last night on my sofa just it just feels I don't know good doesn't it that's yeah. probably not the most insightful word I could use <laughs> no, don't worry it's still better than Sam Matterface that's fine um <laughs> I thought that was a joke name until um I actually realized I thought people were using it as some sort of slander <laughs> No, just genuinely one of the, the lowlights of the commentary last night was a goal here would do England good. <laughs> just make you a professional commentator. Try and get some better words out. I I actually liked Denmark are a member of staff down. Yes, there was that. And also um, when there was a, a shot from the edge of the area that uh, Pickford relatively comfortably saved. I think he said, uh, what was it? Uh, Pickford delicately fingered the the shot. I was like, steady on. You wouldn't want to be delicately fingered by Donnarumma, would you, with all those spikes on the end of his glove? (laughs) I mean, I'm assuming they're rubbery and therefore have kind of like a therapeutic feel to them. Are they basically like the the fins on the Predator boots, but for gloves? I don't know. I wondered if they were like Mad Max improvisations so that if he comes out to punch the ball and misses and you headbutt it, it kind of your head sticks on and then your body comes away from it. You know, like some <laughs> Could sort you of... imagine that? Just like proper, proper like yeah. no rules football. That'd be amazing. Because he's a big bugger as well, isn't he, Donovan? He is, he's yeah. kind of like a human and a half. Yeah, um, which I, I quite like that. I once had an auntie that um, I, I'm not going to say her name because it'd be really offensive. But one of our young cousins once turned to his mum and said, "Mom, why is Auntie such and such two people in one?" Uh, <laughs> and she wasn't tall. <laughs> to be fair, so that's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you know, it's it's a it's a really good time to to sort of be an England football fan at the minute, and it's just coming home. Uh, yeah, it's just been a like you say a ridiculous year and a half two years and with everything else that's going on and uh, i actually checked some of the um i checked some of our reviews uh recently and um on on itunes uh, on the apple podcast store and there was one that said uh keep the politics out of it and so i don't think we've ever been that political on the on the podcast so i won't mention the other thing that i was going to say that sort of divided the nation but um yeah kind of the fact that everything seems to be coming together at the minute uh, and everyone can at least get behind um, the football uh, the football team um, 
it's nice like you know apart from obviously the people that are complaining about a big event happening in the middle of in the middle of covid when things are going up and i've just seen no matter what happens at the minute nobody can really seem to win apart from obviously the, the players on the pitch but that's another it's story always, it's always been that case it's yeah. you've never you've never been able to see it before yeah and, you, you know take out go back to euro 2016 yes there was social media but go back to euro 2012 it wasn't anything like as widespread 2008 do you know what i mean mm. you couldn't see it you know what we used to just have to rely on the media and now actually the media have a really kind of small bit part to play i couldn't tell you what any of the headlines were and that would be what would grab the attention. It would be, oh, you know, what what overtly racist slogans are the Sun using to sell their shit rag today? And and everyone would know and you would see it in the canteen. Whereas now, you know, a minute yeah. after the game, it's like, oh, what is the general public saying? And you're yeah. going to get bombarded with it. And, and yeah. you know, there are people who I have respect for whose Twitter posts um, make me want to claw my eyes out. And I'm talking here about things like football. I'm not going to talk about politics. Um, but, you know, people who will say things like, why has Grealish gone off now? Or, um, you know, we should have won that game. We are, we've been given a bye to the final. People like that. It's like, given a bye to the final. Like, oh, OK, because I thought we played 120 minutes against the team who had already beaten us this season uh, and drawn with us and who we'd failed to score against. But, you know, yeah. what do I know? I'm just a relapsed fan. And that now I actually see why some people get angry with long-term Lincoln supporters who kind of, you know, talk down to them on their opinion because they weren't at Carsholton away, uh, when in actual fact their opinion isn't worth mints. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, know, I wish I had mints. I'm really hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just for a little bit, uh, a little bit of peek behind the curtain, uh, the first thing that Gaz said to me tonight was, I'm hungry. Um, so it gives you an idea of his state of mind at the minute. But I, I am hungry. Fee is working away. It's only the second night she's had away since lockdown, and I've gone to the freezer thinking I'll get something out, let it defrost while I'm recording this, and then cook it. And there's, you know, prawn, prawn something in pastry. Don't eat fish. As a rule, I like monkfish and swordfish, but I'm not eating prawns. It tastes like actually I'm not going to use that. That's pretty too extreme. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't taste nice at all um, yes don't say and there's lamb shank but what am i going to do cook a lamb shank i mean there's, there's you know you can't have oven chips with a lamb shank there aren't any oven chips anyway and then i ring the chinese and the chinese is closed and then i've got that whole thing of dare i use another takeaway because there is nothing worse well there is admittedly but in <laughs> for the purpose of this there's nothing worse than an, uh, a bad takeaway because you build yourself up don't you a takeaway is something special and if you decide to try somewhere else and you go to the takeaway and then you come back and it's rubbish, not only have you wasted your money, but you're not satisfied, you know, hung, hungry, hungry wise. Is that the right English? Probably not. Um, you're not all really satisfied. No, that's not the right, not the right thing. Now we're back on the prawns. Um, so, no, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. basically, the, the, what I'm saying is I'm going to the chip shop. Cool, yeah. I mean, we, we treated ourselves to a, to a takeaway uh, the other night, and it took over two hours to arrive. Well, fetch it. Well, we, we, were, we, we sort of said, well, we can, you know, we can nip down and, and grab it because it's only on the high street. And then when we rang them the first time, we said, yeah, we ordered some food for delivery. And it's like, OK, uh, what's the address? We told him. And he went, oh, uh, yeah, it's just gone out with the driver. Said, oh, OK, cool. Right, fair enough. We'll, we'll leave it then. Um, and then half an hour later, it's still not shown up. So we rang him back and 
oh no sorry it's it's just gone out with this driver there's two drivers you see and it's like, oh for christ's sake just got just got ridiculous in the end so uh yeah two hours it took us to get a friggin takeaway the other day not happy was not happy at all um anyway oh, i saw it on twitter did i say it on twitter <laughs> no i think rage did actually yeah i think rage probably did because she was more angry than i was um because she's been working some ridiculous hours recently um but anyway that's you know by the by um should we talk about lincoln city i think so why not we should have a little interlude we should have maybe we should play the intro again <laughs> with the uh, yeah I'd, um maybe i'll see if i can splice no, don't, don't, some don't, don't, just no, okay yeah yeah um, yeah just yeah if you put no don't don't because it's just a waste of everybody's time nobody wants to listen to that <laughs> not really are you talking about the podcast in general no because somebody will be out there at the moment listening to it say wondering why they do after um, <laughs> the, the whole prawn thing but sorry carry on yeah i will just say i do feel incredibly sorry for uh all of the people who said they were going to boycott the england team you know obviously not going to be able to watch the final on uh on sunday just such a terrible shame and obviously they're going to stick well, to their be- boycott I'd be like the people that boycotted the FL Trophy final that ended up, you know, started off at about 400 and ended up at, I think, about six honest in, in you know, souls with integrity. Mm. Anyway, um, right, let's uh, let's talk about some uh, some signings because the, the honest truth is last week we were going to record a podcast and we had a quick chat with each other and we said we'd heard a couple of mumblings and we thought, shall we leave it until they actually get announced and shall we you know shall we leave it until we get some actual news and this week lincoln city have just basically gone here you go here's all the news um so we've actually got quite a lot to get through today so uh we're going to go from the most recent stuff to sort of back to the last stuff that we've not talked about um which obviously means starting with a new striker uh, which is kind of the goal isn't it for every every summer um, you know, day follows night. Lincoln City are going to be looking for a striker in the in the transfer window. So we've uh, we've got a man, and uh, we've signed Chris Maguire, who is uh, who was a free agent. Sorry, after leaving Sunderland, um, I think it's a decent signing. I think the fact is that he you know obviously knows where the net is because he's you know scores quite a few in Sunderland, uh, scored quite a few in uh, in Sunderland colours, and um, he's got the experienced head on him that I think is probably going to be needed uh, to go alongside Liam Bricker. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, first of all, I'm not sure he's a striker outright. Um, it depends where you look and who you talk to. Um, he's uh, When you look over his, the majority of his career on um, Scout, he does put him playing centrally. But I think if you were to ask Sunderland fans where he plays, they would say anywhere in that bank of three behind the main striker. Um, also kind of probably more so out on the flanks. So I, I, it's going to be interesting to see where he plays. I don't expect him to play in the nine role. I don't expect him to be the one challenging Tom Hopper for a starting place. I expect to see him doing probably the sorts of things that Brandon Johnson was doing. I don't mean kind of running at players and, and winning penalties, but I mean you know where he starts on the pitch. Um, he does know when you say he knows where the goal is averages a goal every four or five games but I think when I broke it down to assists last season um, his minutes per goal and assist was better than any other player that any player that we had had in our team uh, and that included George Grant so you know he's still a player who has got an awful lot to offer 
Um, he's got great pedigree, Derby County, Portsmouth, Sheffield Wednesday, Coventry, um, Sunderland. So he's been with good teams. He's played for Scotland as well. Like you say, I think having an experienced head in the team uh, in the forward line is really important. I think Michael learned a lesson last season when he lost Liam Bridcutt, George Grant and Tom Hopper all in one go mm-hmm. because you lost most of the experience from the forward line. So, yes, we, we still had players at the back who had got a few games under their belt, Joe Walsh or Adam Jackson, although I think they were both out at one point as well. Um, so I think Michael's just kind of shoring up a little bit with experienced players. The big key here is that he's worked with him before. And all the Sunderland fans will tell you when Chris Maguire is loved um, and when he's motivated, he's as good as anybody in the division in the attacking areas. Mm. Um, He didn't get that with Lee Johnson. He will get that with Michael Appleton. I don't think Chris Maguire has come here to sit on the bench. I think that you will find he will be an integral part of the first team set up, certainly in league matches. And he's only 32. um, So, you know, I I think it's easy to say it's a good signing because you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing, and we've said it about everybody we play, everybody we've um, we've signed. I think in the past, but he does look a good signing. And there were a lot of Sunderland fans saying if they could have one of White or Maguire back playing every week, they'd have Maguire rather than White. And I quite, I think that probably says it all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think given you know just the name, um, if you asked a lot of fans who would you rather sign, Maguire or White, I think. A lot of people would would just jump to White because of the fact that he had so many goals last season. And obviously, you know, I think you said it best on on Twitter when um, it was announced that White had signed for Wigan. There were ten thousand re- or ten thousand good reasons a week for him to apparently join Wigan. Um, so you know, it's an interesting one. I I just think it's going to be a. I, I think it's a decent signing. You know, I don't think there's any two ways about it. You know, we we needed somebody. Um, in in the, the final third of the field that has that experience, like you say, and, and um, it looks like uh, it looks like Maguire's going to be there. Um, the there was actually a Sunderland fan that uh, I think I think Andy Pearson tweeted at him um, and said, you know, what do you reckon, decent signing? And he kind of said, you know, that he didn't um, like you, like you mentioned there, he didn't perform particularly well at times under Lee Johnson. Um, and it might have been a clash of styles or whatever, you know, but maybe he got shouted down, but then Johnson left him out the side. And I just thought, if I'm going to have an argument with either Lee Johnson or Michael Appleton, I think I know which one I'm more likely to win. Um, Do it online, you'll win it that way. <laughs> nobody ever wins when any, when people argue online. That's and I include myself answer. in that. That's a great answer. No, do you know what? You're right. And I don't think I like the kind of harmony. I think it was a thinly veiled attack on Lee Johnson when he said, you know, if you've got respect for a manager and he treats you like he with respect, then you you perform better for him. Mm. Um, and I, I think there's a misconception that Maguire may be a, an, an older player and therefore you know, 20 years ago, you sign a 32 year old and you think you know, he's coming to the end of his career. Fitness levels now, you sign a 32 year old and he's still got a couple of years left. Interesting. He got two year deal. I think that says it all. Mm. You know, we, we haven't taken a punt here like David Graham, for instance, you might remember one of the magnificent seven um, who turned out to be absolute rubbish, but yeah, you know, we haven't taken a punt on that type of player. We've got mm. a proven player here. Who's, you know, since 2016 has played one, nearly 200 appearances in, in league one. Um, yeah. So it's just experience. 
Yeah, I think that was obviously that was something that attracted him to the club as well. I saw his interview when he signed and he said, you know, it's going to be it was the length of the contract was was definitely one of the things that uh, influenced him to come here. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's nice that he's obviously signed for us and he, he obviously holds the club in high regard. Um, you know, obviously some of that's going to be media speak when you join a new club, but be very interested to see uh, see how he does. Imagine, um, imagine if they go to say, what prompted you to sign then, Chris? Well, money, really. Um, I yeah. was offered deals everywhere else, but this one was the most. Have you yeah. played it before? What was it like? Can't really remember it. All the grounds really blur into one. And then <laughs> I think you sang some songs and a few of your friends, a few of the people laughed at me when I missed a shot and called me a wanker. So that really made me want to come here. <laughs> what do you know about Lincoln? Well, they're playing red and white stripes and they're one of the teams that I sometimes pick on football manager when I play it, but I'm not much of a gamer, really. It's like Mag Sanders in an interview with The Athletic admitted that he had no idea where Lincoln was and it was only when he was on his way here he realised it was a long way from Brighton <laughs> I, quite like, I quite like that it's like I wish you'd said that in your first interview Max yeah what do you think about signing for Lincoln I know I have no idea where I am how far am I from London can I get a train back to Brighton or not? so um, yeah I'd like to see more honest interviews in I'll tell you what I'd like to see more there was a film once with Dudley Moore, I can't remember what it was called. It might have been Crazy People, and it was he, he was committed to an asylum, and he started pumping out honest adverts, um, and it was just really funny, and it just taught me like this whole element of humour at about ten years old, where actually if you tell the absolute truth in certain situations, it can be funnier than anything else. Uh, yeah. and I'd love to see some of that. I'm sure, it's called Crazy People. Yeah, I mean the thing is that there will be, I, I think. The immediate one that springs to mind for me in that situation is uh, is when Bruno Andrade left Lincoln, and he kind of went to Salford. He's like, "Why do you want to, you know, why do you want to come to uh, to Salford? Oh, I want to play at the highest level." So you've dropped down a division, and they're still there. Like, uh, yeah, just say money. Like people would understand it. I mean, they'd be pissed off, but they would understand it anyway. Yeah, it's like, um, it's like Mike, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's been offered Celtic in the Scottish Premier League or Wigan, and he's gone to Wigan. And then he's saying, oh, I really like the setup. I like what the manager wants to do it. You might well do that. But, you know, if you're like Wigan's setup, if you're like in Wigan's setup over and above Celtic setup, you need red <laughs> reading, lad. <laughs> oh, dear. But we're talking about one attacker, you know, refuse to use the word striker there um, upon your advice. Uh, we are apparently closing in on a mystery striker, um, which is something that you've put on the site today. Um, very interesting wording from Michael Orton, uh, where he said they're trying to get a player who's played in the Premier League as a striker in very soon. Um, completely caught me off guard. I, I wouldn't have known who to expect um but the article you know is is fairly uh fairly decent and you, you've set the bar quite high with number one i will say that much but um yeah who do we who do we realistically think it could be i don't know because what we've been given um i mean it wasn't designed for speculation but it prompts speculation uh and, and let's not forget it might be a lone player and if it's a lone player that kind of goes around almost everybody um that I've, I've picked on there i actually think that the first two are the most likely candidates that, okay. that kind of fit the bill um but it just depends then on money you say um i mean the first one i i, I picked and we might be ridiculous talking about these but the first one i picked was hal robson carney uh, and the reason that i've picked him is 
Yeah. Up until 2016, actually, he was going to end up in League One because he'd been released by Reading, was a free agent when he went to the Euros. Um, and he, he then obviously scored that goal, ended up at, uh, I think it was against Belgium, wasn't it? Mm. He scored and he ended up uh, back at West Brom. I just wonder if there might be a relationship there uh, mm. with, with him and, uh, and Michael. Jerome Sinclair, is he screams Michael Appleton signing for me. Uh, and I wonder if Michael worked with him as a kid because he was a youth at West Brom before moving to Liverpool. Obviously, the boy's got talent because he's gone to Liverpool, uh, moved then to Watford, I think four million. Um, I might be wrong. I remember writing about him when he was on loan at Sunderland. And, you know, he was this, there was there was two, there was him and Ashley Fletcher, who were these two players who had kind of caught you know, two young players that should be doing so much better and, just flopped when they made various moves and actually Fletcher's kind of rescued his career a bit and and, and um, Jerome Sinclair hasn't so be interesting to see probably not going to be either of those uh, but I, I would Jerome Sinclair 24 years old can play out wide as well as a central striker quite pacey he's been at CSK Sofia he played in the Dutch first division on loan as well from Watford if there's if he's the type of player who wants to play first team football regularly in league one and resurrect his career we're the type of team that he would sign for because you look at morgan rogers crystal palace eight million one one look at brennan johnson almost certainly going to get a good run of games at not uh not in forest this season look at um even tj omer has gone back to spurs with a great season under him alex palmer he's probably going to be west brom's number one this season we when you come on loan to lincoln city and you do well it, it can reignite your career so We'll see. Uh, this will probably go out at 12 and tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock we'll announce somebody completely different. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's, that's sort of how it goes. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd, I would be... Uh, it, it was just an interesting tidbit, like you said in the in the article. And I just think um, when you hear the words former Premier League striker, you, you kind of... It throws up one of two images. It's either somebody that's had bad luck with injury or it just conjures up somebody that looks a little bit like me after, you know, after, after dropping out of the Premier League and and just not had much joy with, with getting back to any sort of fitness. Um, it's it's a tease, isn't it? Because yeah. Bob Latchford was a former first division striker when he signed for his years and years ago, and he was he was poor. Um, obviously, uh, the other one not not so not so long ago um, who had played Premier Theo Robinson. Who did well for us, but do you know what I mean? Former Premier League yeah. striker. So you can use that. I mean, I, I even dropped one in there who had played for Motherwell, uh, and he wasn't a striker, a little bit like kind of the, the Chris Maguire thing that he was an attacker. And mm. I think nowadays there's a bit more, you know, if you used to say forward to me, you'd think central, central centre forward. Whereas now it's, you know, it's a little bit more floaty, ambiguous, yeah. Yeah. fluffy. So, I mean, one, you know, you mentioned there, um, Alex Palmer obviously came in last season, was one of our players of the season, kept an incredible amount of clean sheets, came on loan from West Brom. And it looks like we might be going down that route again. Um, Seems like we've more or less, well, seems like we're closing in on uh, Josh Griffiths uh, on loan from West Brom to go between the six this season. He's how old is he? I've just missed that in the article. Uh, and any help would be much appreciated. No, you're all right. Cool. Crack on. No, I'm all right. I, <laughs> I think he's 19, isn't he? 
Yeah, I was gonna say I knew I knew he wasn't wasn't all that old. So it was there is a part of me that's sitting there thinking, is that a bit of a risk taking a keeper that's that young? But would he become the number one? I imagine he he would be. Oh, he's not least, coming in. He's not coming in. That's that's what I mean. Like, obviously, if he's coming in from West Brom on loan, he's he's not going to come here to to not play. So, um, yeah, I just I, I there is a part of me that just wonders, you know, is is it a bit of a risky move to to go with a nineteen year old in goal? But you know, again, trust in the process. And uh, I played played fifty times for Cheltenham last year, and they won League Two, and he kept twenty three clean sheets. So there you go. Got, He's got a full season in the man's game, but under his belt. Um, allegedly was hunted by our good friends down in Portsmouth, uh, who then signed a Man City keeper instead. Um, allegedly hunted by Darren Moore at Sheffield Wednesday, uh, and also by Cheltenham as well. So there are shades of the Alex Palmer in this for me, because mm. one promotion from League Two, really impressive. It's the next step up. The painful thing is, in 12 months' time, if we haven't gone up, the likelihood is that Josh Griffith does. Um, And I know that there are a lot of people who say, oh, if only we'd sign our own young players and blah, blah, blah. This is football. It's the way it is. And and what I want to see is Josh come in, uh, a backup come in, and then Sam Long go out on loan to somebody a couple of levels below us. So he gets the full senior experience. And then next year we sign somebody else. We put Sam Sam Long one division below us. And then when in a couple of years' time, Sam's on's ready for our first team. Um, yeah. it, it's possible that Sam might not be far away now, but I, I think a loan spell somewhere would do him the world of good. Regular first team football without some of the the pressure. Um, yeah. So it'd be, yeah, be interesting if Josh does come. I think um, yeah, he's very, very highly rated at West Brom. I think he's been called up to England on the 21 squad as recently as March. This is a really promising young goalkeeper. Uh, age is of no concern. You know, we we keep talking about the method and we keep talking about experience. And Michael said, you know, experience comes from playing games. So mm-hmm. in that respect, Josh Griffiths, Griffiths, I can't say the word for some reason, he's more experienced <laughs> in the football league than Ethan Ross was. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think that's the thing is you mentioned there about when people talk about the, you know, why don't we sign our own young players and why don't we do this, that, the other. That's obviously the way that the club's going. They've spoken about that as the new model. They've said that that's the the aim for you know longer term. I just think people are probably getting a little bit frustrated because things aren't happening quickly, and that's not how it works. Like if we're going to be signing young players and developing them and selling them on, people need to understand that that's going to take a few years. Like you just said there about Sam Long, if he goes out on loan, he'll be developing in the you know in a senior game. And then at the season after that, he might go out on loan again. But by that time, like you said there, he'll hopefully be a much more rounded individual, much more rounded goalkeeper that would be able to, to get as a decent, you know, decent fee or slot into the first team, whichever, you know, whichever seems right. So I think a lot of our younger players will go out on loan to Gainsborough this season. Reading between the lines, I think that obviously Jovan Makama's going um, for the full season, I believe. I, I think a couple of others will. It wouldn't surprise me if that isn't where Sam goes and plays some of his football. Mm. Uh, but I would imagine that they might like to get him in at a National League club. But yeah. whether that would happen or not, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's it's a position that obviously we need to fill and hopefully... Um, Hopefully, uh, Josh Griffiths is the one that's going to be coming in because, you know, from like I said, what we've uh, what we've spoken about seems uh, seems impressive. So we'll see what happens there. 
Um, do, 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 do. Next bit of news. Um, you mentioned on the site about uh, Teddy Bishop. So Teddy Bishop uh, is, you know, another central midfielder, possibly looking to be coming to the Imps. I would imagine on a well, I'd imagine that would be on a permanent deal. We wouldn't get them loaned from from Ipswich in the same division, but um, yeah, I, I would, uh, you know, again, quick uh, quick glance through everything. Seems like he's uh, the, the kind of player that might well slot into the side. What uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, Bishop's been frozen out by um, Ipswich. Paul Cook's gone training with the under-23s, along with the likes of Caden Jackson, and uh, there's another lad as well whose name escapes me. Um, he's come through the ranks at Ipswich. You know, they've got a good youth team, Ipswich. Let's not forget uh, Jack Marriott, who's obviously a, a really good, accomplished striker at, at this level, came through the Ipswich youth team and then I think left and, and ended up becoming great Um John Marquis, I think, came through Ipswich's first team as well. I might be wrong about Marquis. You could have to check that. There is another one who came through. So um, they produce decent players. Uh, in a, their academy, to me, is in a similar vein to West, Bron- uh, West Ham. That you know, They play decent football. They produce technically very good players. I think Bishop is just one of those that's kind of dropped by the wayside a little bit. One that he's had his injury issues. He burst onto the scene in, I think, in the 2015-16 season. Um, but then in, uh, suffered a, a series of injuries, which have limited him to handfuls of games here and there. And last year was really his first full season um, back in an Ipswich shirt without without serious injury. And he's come through it, but obviously not to the liking of Paul Cook. Uh, I, I would see him as playing in an attacking midfield role in a George Grant role. I don't think we'll be signing a player to play in the holding midfield. We've got Max Sanders, we've got Liam Bridcott, Lewis Fiorini can play there, uh, has played there in the past. McGrandles can play there. We really need attack-minded players. You know, it, Our team, for me, is League One ready once we get keeper. But the keeper, the back four and the holding midfield is League One ready right now. Ready to go. We could play tomorrow and we've got I don't think that the that area of the team will change significantly from one season to the next mm-hmm. but then the three across the front and maybe even the striker as well I mean Tom Hopper's probably still our starting number nine at the minute um, or, or probably will be rather he's obviously at the minute but it's that three isn't it across the last season was Morgan Rogers, Brennan Johnson George Grant you know that none of those are here so that's where we're looking at signing the beauty with Teddy Bishop is He's very highly rated at one point early in his career, was linked with Premier League moves. He's 24 years old. We get him in, we play him for a season. He does a George Grant, comes good, uh, and then off he goes, probably to Peterborough because they rub all our decent attacking midfielders uh, for a fee. And we start again, rinse and repeat. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, and, and when we talk about the model, and uh, I think we need to use this loosely because you know, we signed Chris Maguire and I saw people on Twitter going, well, that doesn't fit the model. That's, you know, the model is by players that are best for the football club. And they might be a certain age. They might be a Teo Eden or, or somebody like that who are coming, or Anthony Scully, you know, young coming out of an academy. They might be players that have lost their way. They might be a James Jones. And there's, there's probably parallels between James Jones and Teddy Bishop in terms of their style, in terms of almost certainly their age, uh, and in terms of the fact they've come through their youth team, they've been integral part of the football club that they were at for a long while, and they maybe just need a little bit of freshening up. And My understanding is there would be a fee for Bishop, because he does have another year left on his deal. That was triggered at the end of last year, even though they don't want to keep him, because that's what we'd do, that's what everyone would do. 
Um, so yeah, be uh, he would be a decent signing on paper again with the League One and the Championship experience. Hearts have now dropped out of the running. I think the other two teams that were in for him are MK Dons and Portsmouth. Um, I had read somewhere Gillingham might have been in for him, but they won't be buying anybody at the minute because they're on an embargo. So yeah, um, yeah, we'll yeah. That that's an interesting one. Actually, just we might as well very briefly touch on that one. I saw that floating around Twitter today. Um, and I didn't know whether that's been made official yet. Is that? Yeah, don't put too much weight behind it. Um, I would imagine that at any one time last season, there might have been 10, 15 clubs under embargo for short periods of time. And mm. it's just that the rules changed in June to allow the EFL to publish the lists of teams that are under transfer embargo for whatever reasons. Uh, and at okay. the moment, Gillingham are not allowed. It, it's not a transfer embargo as you can't sign players. They can. They can sign free agents and loan players up to a, a squad limit, I think, of 23. They just can't pay fees. Uh, and it's right. relating to the fact that their accounts have not been submitted their accounts have been submitted late uh, and there's another condition that I don't really understand and I, I did couldn't really be asked to research because I've been busy, <laughs> um, which Fleetwood are also under as well. Something about ongoing loan monitoring or so I'm right. assuming that's money that they've been loaned rather than a player. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't expect it to be a precursor to Gillingham going into administration. It's more of a you've had a slap on the wrist and now we're going to, you know, like when the Echo put the court files out there and you see the people that were stopped for like having a faulty tyre and everyone used to read it and go, bloody hell, I knew him, look. He's like, yeah, he's got, <laughs> got a faulty tyre, three points and a 45 quid fine. And people look yeah. at it and then the next day it's gone. So Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. I mean, it could be worse. There could be Barcelona. I just, what a, ridiculous well, I situation there. I don't think being Barcelona would be worse than being Gillingham. I mean, financially it is. Yeah, uh, but in terms of marketability, uh, I think Barcelona, you know, could probably trim down their squad, go through a, a series of a year or two of um, rebuilding and take the hit and, and survive it. I'd, and I'd certainly rather live in Barcelona than Gillingham. Have you oh, been 100%, to Gillingham? 100%. 100%. Just, yeah, I, I, I just yeah, financially it could be worse, but the way you worded it was almost like Gillingham could be worse. You could be Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how I meant it. Um, but anyway, you've mentioned him a couple of times. Um, another exciting loan signing coming in from Manchester City, uh, Luis Fiorini. Um, sounds like this one is a, a very bright spark. Um, it sounds like he's very highly rated. Um, I've only really seen a couple of things that have come up on YouTube since obviously signed for us. Well, we've seen them on YouTube since he signed for us, but um, yeah, sounds, uh, sounds like he's got a bit about him. Um, obviously spoken a lot to Morgan Rogers while he was out on loan and he kind of Morgan Rogers has um, sung the praises of the club um, as, as much as it would be lovely to get Morgan back. I don't think that's going to happen this season. Um Maybe, but uh, yeah, you know, sounds like he's uh, he's excited to get started um, again. PR speak, but uh, yeah, I mean, what what did you make of this signing? Because I know uh, a friend of the pod, uh, Kev Barwise, was uh, was was quite keen on it as well. Um, I think he's uh, spoken to either Lewis or his dad maybe beforehand, and sort of had the you know those conversations. He keeps tabs on the youth team stuff. So- 
it looks a good signing on paper. He, he had a really good season with Nack Breeder. Uh, I think it's Nack. Would you say NAC Breeder? Probably Nack Breeder. NAC Breeder would be a right bloody mouthful, wouldn't it? <laughs> you, you wouldn't say Doug. No, can you say West Brom rather than WBA? You wouldn't say Wubba, would you? So you, mm. you say W. You say West Brom. Well, anyway, QPR. You'd say QPR. So maybe you say NAC. Yeah. QPR because you don't say Quipper, do you? Quipper. Um. So he was with Nat Breeder. I'll go with Nat Breeder because it sounds more better than an AC Breeder. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. How did we get on to this? Well, it's obvious. It's easy. It's, I, I started talking. and uh, Anyway, so, yeah, he had a good, se- he had a good season in uh, the Dutch second division for, for them. Uh, I think there's a lot of time and space in the Dutch second division looking at the highlights. Um, but he certainly he's got a long-range shot on him. I think, uh, as you say, Kev was really keen. You know, I think he spoke to me when when he first heard a bit of something. Said, like, I can't say anything, um, but uh, you know, until the day. It's, but I'm quite excited by this. I've known for a while. I'm quite excited. So I take his word for it. I'm not going to pretend to. That I knew who Louis Fiorini was before he came here. I'd seen his name when researching the loan articles, and I assumed that a young player that had been out on loan in Holland, uh, say Holland in the Netherlands or Belgium or something like that would be coming back to then go to a championship team you would imagine if a t- player goes out to a, a bigger European club um, and probably Nack Breeder are not bigger than us but I'd seen them play some games against teams that I recognise from being in the Dutch first division and you know you lose track of who's in the Dutch first division and who's not don't you I didn't know whether go ahead Eagles still were or not so you know, the fact is he'd been on loan to a team in the Dutch division. I just assumed he'd played in the top flight there. Um, so we'll see. Look, it's The thing is, it's really easy to get enthusiastic about everything, uh, about yeah. you, you see a player and he's going to be great. And you know, I'm sure Oxford fans thought the same about Ben Woodburn when he came from Liverpool. Look what happened there. There was a Keziah Sterling who went to Doncaster a few years ago from Spurs. And it's, you know, you'd look at it and go, he's going to be good for us. Like He's got pedigree. And then he gets injured or he doesn't get a run in the team or, or whatever. So uh, you know, the positives are, we're signing a player from the Premier League champions. They rate him. Their fans rate him. He's had a good season in the, in, in the Netherlands and he fills positions that we need. Beyond that, you know, whether he's you know, whether he's a world beater or not, we shall see, won't we? Absolutely. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, anything, you know, any any exciting signings... Well, any, any signings exciting is basically what I was trying to say there yeah. before my words got in the way. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just going to be a another interesting season of maybe not being quite as reliant on loans this time around. Um, I think I would like to see a couple more permanents come in and that's obviously going to be on the cards, but I think, um, I think there will obviously be the loan contingent and kind of, you know, using that to, to supplement what we buy or what we already have. Um, on the you know in the squad to, to help things forward so yeah, yeah there'll be i think there'll be another uh, there'll be plenty of activity i st- i think by the time we get into the season i think we'll be close to our full quota alone yeah I, I i can see that happening um uh, i know somebody commented on one of my statuses about the supporters board meeting which i wasn't in uh recently and they'd asked about loan players coming back it's like well the, and i'm assuming yeah we're not talking brennan johnson we're probably 
probably not Morgan Rogers now, but like a TJ Ioma, will he come back? Spurs will want him in the championship. Mm. But if it gets to the first game of the season and the championship clubs haven't gone in for TJ Ioma, then potentially he could come into League One. I've used him as an example, but there will be 50 or 60 young footballers who were out on loan in League One and League Two, maybe, or League One specifically last season, and their clubs want them to be in the championship. But if it doesn't materialise, they end up back with us. So mm. I was quite interested. As um, who's the boy, the the Arsenal lad that's just gone back to, just gone to Doncaster, who was on loan. That's an interesting one. I want to say Matt Smith, but I thought Matt Smith was the Man City one. Um, but anyway, I, there'll be there will be more movement on loans. I think, uh, and I think there'll probably be a couple more permanent as well. Yeah, I mean, I. I I wouldn't be surprised if you know if you bang on on there, uh, bang on with that one. So, um, right, I suppose we'd probably better talk about it, um, although very briefly. Um, it was obviously going to happen sooner rather than later, but uh, it's it's kind of one of those situations. George Grant left the club um, and went off to Peterborough. Uh, I, I genuinely cannot really begrudge him at all uh, I think he's you know a player that's essentially deserved championship football next season um, it's a little bit of a shame that it's Peterborough but it makes sense for him personally he's you know can stay where he is he can commute to Peterborough relatively quickly um, uh, yeah so George the end you can't begrudge George a move he, he was clever with his contract and rightly so, is look after his own interests. He wants to play in the championship. Uh, he was offered that opportunity. We we couldn't offer him it. Uh, he did the right thing, didn't he? He penned the deal saying, more or less, yeah. look, you're in the championship next year. I'll play for you. If you're not in the championship next year, I'll move on. Probably earned us whatever money we managed to get out of it. So respect to that. Yeah, still pisses me off, to yeah. be honest. I, I, we talked off air about the Sammy Smodic tweet where he had put um we've discussed it it was a picture of him and grant and he put we've discussed it and it was a penalty and you know I'm, I'm not one of these football fans that reacts like disgusted to that as if we wouldn't do the same thing or we wouldn't go you know oh, top shoot alzari if it was the other way around because we would um mm. so i'm not i just blocked smodich uh because i'm a petulant <laughs> child and i don't want to see it <laughs> but yeah, fair play to him. I don't like him. He cheated. But at the same time, people saying, well, Grant dived. Grant didn't dive. They've got that wrong. It was Johnson that dived. Grant just scored the penalties. Somebody missed a few of them as well. So, um, yeah, I, George Grant was brilliant for us last season. Absolutely brilliant uh, until he got injured. I don't think he came back the same. I don't think he had the same impact after his injury. I wonder if he was fully ready. I, th- I think he was just desperate to play and we needed somebody that could fill that role. Yeah, um, possibly. I, I personally, I, I don't think he came back fully, fully fit. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And I, I think the important thing is what you've said there about the contract. Um, to me, that is that kind of shows, you know, where he was at because he quite easily could have left it until the end of the season after the get, you know, after the playoff final and said, right, I'll make a decision now. But, it, it kind of showed me that he, he has a, you know, a bit of integrity about him. And he said, right, I'm going to sign a contract now that essentially guarantees me championship football next season. So 
we'll see where we go with Lincoln. And I, I've got a lot of respect for him for that. I, you know, I, I don't begrudge him a single thing that's happened. And I think a lot of people that were throwing the dummies out of the pram kind of missed that element of it initially. But I, I don't think we really need to talk about that much anymore. Yeah, I just, I just felt quite bitter. And I was looking back through um, some of the match photos that Bob's had sent for an article that I was doing the other day. And I had to type Grant in. And every time I saw his face, it was just like, oh, it's you. And yeah, <laughs> it just feels feels really bitter. But um, it'll settle down. I'm not I'm not salty, as they say, because that really annoys me. Mm, you want some salt in there? Um, it, it really annoys me. But I'm not salty about it particularly it's just the way it makes me feel it's just you know i i see that image and i just think oh yeah cheers for the good times grant and um, we're in the same position as we were 12 months ago all your efforts were for nothing maybe if you'd scored that penalty against doncaster and one against peterborough then uh, we wouldn't needed to play off that's not a rational thought do you know what i mean it's yeah, not yeah really, yeah that's kind of the bitterness that gets you i mean he was superb I, it's the football fan brain season. isn't it yeah, it is. Yeah, it just it, it's a natural gut reaction. It's like Lincoln City scoring and me jumping up. It you know it it's there. It's in you. Something happens. That's your reaction, and it's only afterwards you try and apply some sort of logic to it. And and that's the way I felt a little bit after seeing the fact that he moved to Peterborough. And I don't think it would have been as bad if he had moved to QPR or rather oh, not Rotherham uh, or Coventry or or somebody like that think it's because it's Peterborough and you get Dara McAntony he's blocked and all now going on social media like oh we've made a great signing granted it's this and that and he he comes on there you know spouting off and I just think oh you know give it a rest mate yeah, and Clive signs somebody he don't come on there lording it over does he just no. and why is it them do you know what I mean like Lee Frecklington loved him signed for Peterborough Peter Gain bloody loved him signed for Peterborough Alex Woodyard, I lo- I liked him. I liked him. I don't care what people say. Signed for Peterborough. Richard Butcher ended up at Peterborough. Ah, oh, just bloody Peterborough. Anywhere else. Go, go. I don't care. Go somewhere else. Just not Peterborough. But then it doesn't matter, does it? Because it's another club. It doesn't matter if your girlfriend cheats on you with your best friend or somebody she works with. She's still cheated on you. So, yeah. No, that's a fair point. No, not that George cheated on us. He did the right thing. He left <laughs> us gracefully. He didn't end it by text, did he? He did it face to face. And he left. He didn't. Do you know what I mean? He he didn't go. He didn't play his last game against Blackpool, and then his contract ran out. And he just buggered off for an extra twenty quid or whatever. He he was gracious, as you say, in the way that he ended it. Uh, he did an interview with Michael, which was nice. Yeah. So, yeah. I've, I've still not listened to that. Actually, I've got no, it on my I'm list gonna, of podcasts. Yeah, so. I'm not going to listen to that. Don't believe. Yeah. So anyway, I think letter I won't read it. Um, <laughs> I think the uh, the final thing to talk about this week because we said we try and keep it to an hour and we are currently at fifty three minutes, fifty four minutes. Um, the big news which we sort of knew about when we recorded the last podcast, but we couldn't talk about due to embargoes and things, um, was obviously the the investment. Um, the the news came out and. Uh, a substantial six-figure sum, I think it was, um, has been invested into the club via the uh, the holdings company. Um, and I think, really, all of the right words were said. Um, you know, the, the, the came in said we're a minority shareholder. We don't want to be making the decisions. We don't want to be trying to take over the club. We don't want to be doing this, that, the other. Um and it all seemed to align. And I think there was, a, again, a little bit of a 
a knee-jerk reaction from some fans that that kind of said, um, well, it's an American owner, they're going to want to do this, that, the other. It's like, well, no, just... I, I, I have the implicit trust in Clive and the board that they will have done all the due diligence on this to make sure that, you know... The intentions are pure. The intentions are good on this one. Um, and obviously, Landon Donovan coming in as well to to be a strategic advisor, I think the word, the title is. Um, you know, it's just a, it sounds like it's a great move all around, you know, um, and hopefully it can strengthen things off the pitch. And all I can really say on top of that is it's just a credit to, to how, well run the football clubs become over the past few years that we're now in a position where we're an attractive investment opportunity um, as opposed to a few years ago when we just weren't so exciting times isn't it yeah it's good yeah um yeah, <laughs> sorry <laughs> I love that. I've just gone off on this round. Like, yeah, it's good. It's yeah, good. It's, it's good. It's yeah, it's nice well, to have the investment. It's not the sort of, matter face about you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be doing any fingering. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> just just so you know, I'm not saying Sam Matterface does that. I mean, Lee Dixon did sound quite happy halfway through uh, last night. Might have been England's goals. No, look, the investment is good. Um, I watched the the whole press conference with um, uh, with with. Uh, Landon and Harvey. Yeah, sorry, word has escaped me. I want to say Harley for a minute there, but I'm thinking Harley Quinn from, um, I don't know, Marvel or something. Um, and there's an amazing story about Harley Quinn. And yeah, interesting. So, um, no, I need to tell you it off air because it's actually really funny. But anyway, carry uh, on. Okay, sorry. When I said I'm not interested, I'd, yeah, kind of that applies off air as well. But. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I thought we'd just just discuss that. I wasn't going to be doing anything like that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, they, you know, they're, they're good people. Let, let's not let this kind of degenerate into what it usually does. While we still we're talking about good people being involved in a football club, yeah, Clive and Jez and the, Liam and, and everybody at the club work really hard to attract additional investment. And whilst it's not the sort of investment that we'll see us paying ten thousand pounds a week for Charlie White, and rightly so, it is the sort of investment that strengthens the infrastructure that maybe adds a little bit of money to, to Michael Appleton's kitty should he need to go over and above what he's been allocated. Uh, it's the sort of money that just continues to build a football club for the future. And it will be interesting to see if we do try and dip into the American market. I think people will instantly be looking at San Diego Loyal and going, well, who plays for them? Can we have any of their players? Probably won't work like that. Um, it would be more likely, in my mind, for it to work on a youth level, you know, to have some of their young players come here or some young players from America come here for a while for our players to maybe go over there a little bit. Um, so your younger players, youth players. So be interesting to see where it goes. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's certainly very good to have a, a broader scope and a broad collection of investors on the board. Um, without a doubt not on the board sorry because obviously they're not joined in the board and um, but on board uh with with the football club and, and heading in the right direction yeah no absolutely it's uh it's it's really promising you know i think the it, it seems to be well we seem to be in kind of a bit of a golden era of lincoln city at the moment and long may it continue i think off the field the club are making the right decisions um and certainly on the field you know i think last season kind of showed that we are as well um despite the as you mentioned earlier the, the sort of balloon pop at the end of it um 
you are spot on. We are in a golden era of Lincoln City Football Club. We've been on an upward tra- trajectory for five years now, uh, and this will be the sixth season, I think, won't it, where we are aiming to finish higher than we did last season. It'll be a big ask. I'm not sure if there's ever been a period in history where in five successive seasons we've finished better placed than the year before. There's certainly never been five seasons where we've won three trophies, uh, and and got two promotions and two playoff places as well. It is a golden era. And when you look at the board and when you look at uh, the playing staff and the management, lots and lots has changed. It's not as if this is one administration overseeing a great era, like, for instance, Dave Whelan at, at Wigan, and then that ending and everything going to shit. It's, it's kind of a, a gentle evolution. Yes, Clive Nates is a constant. I don't think that there's any doubt whatsoever that you know he is he's steering, but it's not a sugar daddy situation like with Dave Whelan. Um, and I'm not being disrespectful to Dave Whelan there at all. He did great things for Wigan. But it just feels that it's a golden era, era, golden era on and off the field. I remember going to the training day uh, early on in um, 2016-17 season. That must have been in around October 2016 because I think Macaulay Bond was training when I went there. And you went to the ground and you had a little bit of a tour around the ground and or you met um, Alan Long and then went up in a car or a minibus or whatever to the where we were training. And we were training on the patch of grass behind the barracks up on um, Burton okay. Road. Yeah, somewhere on barracks, yeah. And do you know the work that went in there and it goes all the way back to Chris Moises was phenomenal. I seem to remember that um, Phil Kime, I think, was, was the groundsman at the time. I might be wrong, but they went up there and they actually cleared it. But if it rained, there was nowhere to go. All the kit was piled up in one place. There was one pitch. So if they were doing separate drills, they were in each other's space and that sort of thing. I think going from that, and it's not just about the training, but going from that to the all purpose built training ground that we've got now with you know that with the plans that they've got for it with three pitches with a viewing tower and uh, you go from the way that the media setup is and with the greatest of respect again but you know the media setup was kind of one man doing pretty much everything and being left to his own devices we know what happened but no support for him at all so it was you know the problems that he had were exasperated over time and were not addressed to a situation now where we've got a business that's very supportive that's very inclusive um that always seems to to want to move forward i just you know, and that's all, that's not anything to do with the football, but success breeds success. If you're successful off the field, that will reflect on the field. And yeah. and if, if your club is built on foundations of sand and you're spending lots and lots of money, but there isn't that, that kind of solid foundation there, it will collapse. And I look at all the players that Wigan are signing at the moment, and I hope, I wish Wigan all the best because, you know, they were really harshly treated um, by the authorities and by their owners. But I look at it and I just think, are you doing the right thing in going for broke for promotion? Is that really the right thing to do? Is that a responsible owner? spending a, a reported 10 grand a week on Charlie White is it I don't think it is mm-hmm. and I just think we should be proud if we finish 10th or 11th this season we will outperform teams who are on better budgets than us that's a fact yeah now some fans will see that as backwards it won't be progress you only have to walk around the club at the end of every season to see the progress it isn't always reflected in the points tally no 100% yes yeah, it's, it's just yeah I'm I'm so pleased and proud of how the club have, have moved over the past few years it's just been ridiculous and how they've you know handled everything around 
the the COVID situation, the communication to the fans. It just seems to continually improve in spite of everything that's going on. So, you know, just just fantastic stuff. Um, I think that's probably going to do us. Um, is there anything that we need to plug this week? I know I have one thing at the, um, that I'm aware of, and the cat is about to jump out of my window. So off you pop. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the one thing that I need to plug is uh, the Lisa raffle. Um, that's, okay, that's, yeah. that's going on at the moment. Um, uh, I've been involved in some of the discussions around that as well. Uh, essentially, what they're doing is they are going to be purchasing a few a few season memberships or season tickets to you and I um, to kind of distribute among uh, underrepresented groups throughout the season. So that's you know it could be. Um, people that are you know struggling financially or a certain section of society um they're going to buy a number of season tickets for for people to essentially give out and distribute and say look come to the game it's on us um and hopefully bring more people into the club and and make it a bit more of a um or sort of show how welcoming an environment uh lincoln city can be um they're doing a raffle at the minute, which is going to have a bunch of prizes in it. And the top two prizes are two season tickets for uh, for the upcoming season. Um, or if you've already purchased your season ticket, it will be essentially they will pay you back for your season ticket. So it will be free. Um, the tickets are a fiver, I believe. And the details will be on my Twitter. And I believe you've retweeted it as well. Yes. Um, so, yeah, get involved because you could win your money back on your season ticket. And essentially... All of the money that's raised from that will go to purchasing um, as many memberships as they can. So there'll be as many tickets as they can uh, as they can bring in. And the club have offered to match whatever is purchased via Lisa for that uh, for that cause. So yeah, great stuff. I bet you bloody win it. I won't. I'm not entering. Well, you're not even. You've done all of that, and you're not actually going to enter. I'm I'm going to be providing some prizes as well, and I get bet people can't figure out what it's going to be. Figures, Marvel figures. No. With those things with the big heads that wobble when you flick them. What are they called? Bobbleheads. Yeah, bobbleheads. <laughs> what are those things that have heads that bobble when you flick wobble. them? Wobble. I said wobble. <laughs> They're not called wobbleheads, are they? That would be a better name for them. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, is there anything you need to to mention before we head off? I don't think so. Apologies to anyone listening if you ask me to plug anything. I'm not lax. I just forget. Um, But I'm pretty sure that I haven't got to plug anything at all. I'm going to put my season review out soon. I should have done it sooner. I've just been really busy. Um, But nobody's really waiting for it. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's going, I'd like to know what Gary wrote about last season in a book because they could just look at it online. But some people like to collect these things. So (laughs) I'm going to. Fair enough. Well, there we go. Um, We'll probably be back in a couple of weeks. Um, Obviously, you know, we've got, other things to be focusing on this weekend um but it depends what news comes in i guess you know we, we said a similar thing uh three weeks ago three weeks yeah. ago yeah three weeks ago so uh, oh excuse me and uh yeah come on england it's coming home and we'll see you uh in a few weeks all right up the imps
the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.